0: Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health Radio Show with Richard. Talk to me, guy. And as I say every week, Sherry Edwards is off improving the SoundHealthPortal.com. And I would suggest, because we have so much information from Dr. Stephanie Seneff today, I'm going to make my intro shorter than usual and say, go to SoundHealthPortal.com and look at it. And you can go there, and if you click on Services and then on Campaigns. You can choose a campaign which are free analysis of your voice, workups of your voice, and you can do two 45-second recordings, sign up for a free account, do two 45-second recordings, and they walk you through all this. And then submit it for the campaign that you want to see the results of your vocal print, and within two to 12 hours, you get an email with all this information, which is amazing. I think it's phenomenal. I think the Sound Health Portal is just an amazing tool now available to everyone online, whereas before you had the lug around a laptop, and it was just more difficult. Now you can do it there. And I will jump right to saying that right after the show, when I end the show, you'll be able to find a replay of it at soundhealthoptions.com. Click on the radio tab, then click on Sound Health Radio, and the link back to this page at Blog Talk with the show notes and everything there will be available and or you can go to any of your favorite podcast aggregators Currently, I think my number one podcast aggregator uh, favorite is uh, Pocket Cast, because they just made it free, and it works on all platforms, and you can also use it on your computer. Way to subscribe and listen to casts, and you can also easily share them. Pocket Casts, you go to iTunes, you go to Google Play, Google Podcasts, Ditcher, any of them, and go there, and you search for Sherry Edwards, or one word, talk to me guy and find our almost just we're just about to peak over 700 hours of shows there and you'll be able to share easily with a number of those and this is one of those shows that's going to be filled with so much really important information and with that Dr. Stephanie Seneff is a senior research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She has a BS degree from MIT in biology and a PhD from MIT in electrical engineering and computer science. Her recent interests have focused on the role of toxic chemicals and micronutrient deficiencies in health and disease, with a special emphasis on the pervasive herbicide glyphosate and the mineral sulfur. She has authored over 30 peer-reviewed journal papers over the past few years on these topics, Recently, she's been concentrating mainly on the relationship between nutrition and health. Since 2011, she's published over two dozen papers in various medical and health-related journals on topics such as modern-day diseases, that is, Alzheimer's, autism, cardiovascular disease, ADD, or ADHD. Analysis and Search of Databases of Drug Side Effects Using NLP Techniques in the imp- Impact of Nutritional Deficiencies and Environmental Toxins on Human Health. Stephanie joins us to talk about why the sun is not our enemy. Welcomes, Daphne.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: All right, everybody take a deep breath. This is going to be an adventure. This is a... <laughs> i I'm a fan of the sun, and I know that you as well are a fan of the sun and when in your uh, in your research did you have you run across the when and why did the sun become our enemy?
1: yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? I suspect it has a lot to do with marketing sunscreens you know that's a big business and it's it's really interesting i've I've lived a long time, and I know back in my youth we had sunscreen you could buy, but it was never more than spf 8 or something like that now we've got like 64 you know incredibly good coverage of extremely intense uh protection so called from the sun which is blocking uv rays um, we've become quite obsessed with it and it, it, doctors are recommending uh, you know p- parents put it on their children as soon as they're six months old uh start using sunscreen I and mean, it's just gone crazy and and the evidence doesn't support it because uh, melanoma cancer, which is the worst, which is the really only serious kind of skin cancer, it has been going up exponentially in children. It's been going up dramatically exactly in for step the rise in the use of sunscreen over the past 20 years. So it's pretty clear it's not working. You know, and it may even be causing the very skin cancer that it's trying to protect you from.
0: Well, I've always wondered about, so we have the sunshine and we smear this goo on our skin, which is not necessarily... Healthy and organic, and has things in it that you'll talk about. But so we Mm -hmm. smear this stuff on our skin, and then the sun does what I would call either photodrives it in, or heats up the pores of the skin and causes it to dilate and assimilate that goo. Right. That's that. Exactly.
1: You said that very well. Yes. I mean, in fact, the zinc oxide and the the, um, titanium dioxide that is used in these high SPF sunscreens are both very toxic. They can cause uh, damage all by themselves and then they use alumina to make it to emulsify it so that it's sort of a transparent uh, paste that's easily spread without being white you know you, you put the aluminum in there and the aluminum is, is very toxic and the aluminum absorbs through the skin and then messes up the body's natural ability to protect itself from the sun so that's why i think it's working against your protection if your body has a very capable ability to protect itself from from sun you know the sun has been there ever since life began and the sun is a source of energy. And, and all biology has learned how to utilize the sun's energy for good purpose. And we're basically interfering with that. And we're causing a great deal of, of trouble because of it. And as you know, we have an epidemic in vitamin D deficiency today. And an astonishing number of people are deficient in vitamin D. And, and many, many people are taking uh, vitamin D supplements because of it. Actually, just uh, 20 years ago, the percentage of people who were taking vitamin D as the supplement was only 1%. And today, it's something like 20%. I mean, a huge number of people every day take a vitamin D su- supplement, and which is crazy because if you just go out in the sun without the sunscreen, you'll get plenty of vitamin D. And it'll be a much healthier form of it than the supplement.
0: I was just visiting with some friends. Actually, it was on Friday night because a friend of mine was traveling through California, and we got together to have dinner, and she was talking about her new grandbaby and how... Mm-hmm. The grandbaby, has. we were talking about vitamin D because she's always interested in who I'm talking to. And the show that's coming up, and I explained that I was talking to you about vitamin D and the sun. And she said, oh, the baby's been getting a dropper full of vitamin D every day since he was born. Uh, and thinking, ah! gosh. But I couldn't have that conversation because it would have been too difficult to, to get it. But could you talk about that, why there is such a vast difference between sunlight-created vitamin D versus just taking a pill every day?
1: It's hugely different. And the big difference to me is that the sun doesn't just give you vitamin D. In fact, what else it does for you is probably more important than the vitamin D itself. And this is where my research comes in because I've identified um, a process that goes on in the skin in response to sunlight, which, produces, which causes the skin to produce not only vitamin D, and it produces vitamin D from cholesterol. So that's another thing. Cholesterol, of course, is public enemy number one, and actually it's absolutely vital for your health and cholesterol is the precursor to vitamin D. And the sun uh, converts the cholesterol into vitamin D, but it also uh, catalyzes the synthesis of sulfate in the skin. And then the sulfate is combined with both the cholesterol and the vitamin D, and they're released into the circulation as a sulfated molecule, cholesterol sulfate and vitamin D sulfate. And both of those are able to travel in the blood without being packaged up inside LDL particles. So people who are my age are all very much aware of their cholesterol level. You know, you get your serum LDL tested, and if it's high, they put you on a statin drug to try to uh, destroy your liver's ability to make cholesterol. So uh, if you're deficient in cholesterol, that's probably also going to interfere with vitamin D synthesis. So it's going to cause a worse problem with your vitamin D deficiency. But cholesterol sulfate is a form of cholesterol that does not have to be put inside the LDL particle. So when you get sun exposure... You actually reduce the level of cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, in your blood. A study actually showed that. There was a recent study that uh, was done, I think, in India, where they had uh, 100 people who were deficient in vitamin D. They had identified vitamin D deficiency in 100 people. They did a controlled study where they put 50 of them on a high-dose vitamin D supplement. And the other 50, they said, go out in the sun for 20 minutes every day during the midday interval. 20 minutes every, every day. That was their prescription. And they found that, you know, both, of them, both groups raised their vitamin D levels, but the ones who did the sun formula lowered, statistically significantly lowered their serum cholesterol. And the ones who did the vitamin D supplement significantly raised their vitamin D cholesterol. Because the vitamin D supplement is not sulfate. It has to be packaged up inside uh, lipid particles to be transported in the blood. So, so the, the, the vitamin D that's produced in the skin is able to move in the blood. It's able to be delivered to the tissues without having to be having to increase the serum cholesterol.
0: And could you pencil out that part about the statins just a little bit more? Since I have so many friends and allies who are, you know, have what I call like bright, light, shiny table syndrome, and they go in, and, and we're of a <laughs> similar, we're of a similar age. Where now, if if you go into a doctor's office and you're of a, an age, you're supposed to be on statins. It's not like you need yeah, them, or you you know, it's just like oh, you need statins, you need this, you need that, and don't forget your flu vaccine. So, could you just tell My- say a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more about that statin thing? Because that's such a oh
1: gosh.
0: <laughs> exactly evil. Is yeah, a word I, I just go
1: on and on about statins. I, I think they're basically a toxic chemical. I don't advise anyone to take them. I don't think they're doing any good for anybody. I mean, I'm very strong on statins, uh, against statins. And I see so many people that are have been crippled by them, in my opinion. I see that they have enormous numbers of side effects, uh, you know, tremendous issues with muscle pain, muscle weakness, um, brain problems, you know, brain fog, and um, sort of violent, uh, you know, road rage, I would call it, like you, your uh, mood changes. Um, they cause arthritis. Um, they cause gut issues. Uh, they just have a huge list of problems that fattenes cause. And it's because cholesterol is absolutely essential for your health. In fact, I equate cholesterol with chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is what the uh, plants use to turn sunlight into, into organic matter. And I believe that the, the human body and all the, all the mammalian species use cholesterol. Uh, they need their cholesterol to be able to handle sunlight and to use sunlight purposefully to turn it into energy. So the cholesterol is important for being able to um, cash in on the energy that's available in sunlight to be able to use sunlight to use your skin as essentially a solar panel to be able to take the sunlight in, make a sulfate, ship out the cholesterol sulfate, and the cholesterol then delivers the sulfate to all the tissues. And the sulfate is, is encoding, it's carrying the energy in the sunlight. It's really a beautiful system. And the whole thing is going to be just derailed by sunscreen, which is going to interfere with the synthesis of sulfate, and also statin drugs, which are going to interfere with the supply of cholesterol.
0: So by, uh, may I say, uh, this is in the form of a question, but I couldn't come up with it quickly enough. Um, so I can say that applying sunscreen is actually in the long term suppressing our immune system would you yes agree with that
1: I do absolutely and of course anything that interferes with vitamin D is going to mess up the immunity it's very clear that people who have high vitamin D have uh, improved immune response compared to people who have low vitamin D I want to say something about vitamin D supplements because it's really um, to me, very interesting that when you take vitamin D as a supplement, you're not getting the cholesterol sulfate alongside it. You're only getting the vitamin D. And the vitamin D is an unsulfated form. So now you, the vitamin D has to, you, you take a high dose, it goes to the liver. The liver has to use its, its cytochrome P450 enzymes to activate the vitamin D. And in doing so, it distracts those enzymes from their more important task, which is to make bile acids and also to detoxify toxic chemicals. So when you load up on excess amounts of vitamin D, you stress the liver the liver is busy trying to convert that vitamin D into the active form. And it, it can't use those same enzymes for other things because of the, of the demand of the vitamin D. And worse than this, vitamin D basically mobilizes calcium. And if you have a situation, which many people do, where your body is reaching calcium from the bones and pushing it into the tissues, many people have that problem. Vitamin D will make you do that better. So when you take excessive amounts of vitamin D, it's going to take the calcium out of your bones and put it into your tissues, increasing plaque cal- calcification and decreasing bone strength. And in fact, they've shown that in studies that people who took, they did uh, three different dose, uh, doses of vitamin D to three different groups. And they found that the ones that took the highest level of vitamin D actually had a worse, uh, their bone density was was worsened by the vitamin D, the exact opposite of what vitamin D is supposed to do. So although People who have naturally have high vitamin D they're getting it from the sunlight they typically have really good bones. their bones are strong but if you take a vitamin D supplement it doesn't give you that same benefit
0: it's funny how I can think of many people I know that spend a lot of time outdoors either you know everything everybody from gardeners to people who you know avidly bicycle I used to be one of those people that was a touring cyclist and everybody thinks that your bone strength is, which is benefiting from that that exercise of doing something physical but that sunlight thing seems underrated in terms of the benefits mm-hmm. if you just go out and lay on the Sun you might be just as strong as you did if you went out and bicycled every day in terms of your bone density that's that really
1: true I mean I definitely think it's essential to get sunlight to have healthy bones uh, and teeth as well because bones and teeth both benefit from sunlight exposure and, and, uh, and partly that's because it, 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 it prevents you from having to steal the calcium from your bones to put it into your tissues. And that gets back mm. to the sulfate problem. It's complicated science, but sulfate deficiency, I believe, leads to calcium leaching from the bones.
0: Ooh, that's because never you have good. to
1: use phosphate instead of sulfate. And phosphate's in the bones. So the calcium phosphate is pulled out of the bones in order to um, compensate for the lack of sulfate
0: yikes i have a question in chat which i i was further down i was going to ask something along this line they're asking about can we get some benefit from vitamin d production using 660 nanometer or 850 nanometer as those red light therapy can we get some benefit from that
1: yeah, in terms of I vitamin don't d have production answer for that i i i do think that i think if i lived in canada and winter was a really big problem for getting enough sun, that i would probably um, try to get, uh, do, do uh, sun tanning, you know, these sort of, sun, what do you call it? <laughs> tanning, tanning booth, booth. Um, tanning bed, tanning booth. Yeah. Tanning beds, yeah, or to try to get a full spectrum sunlight um, lamp of some sort to be able to expose myself to that in the winter. I think I would probably do that if I had no other option. Of course, I have the benefit of being able to go to Hawaii and getting plenty of sun in the winter, so I don't have that problem. But I think it, it's a serious issue if you live way up north. Although you can store a lot of vitamin D from the summer, so if you can get a lot of sun during the summer months, you can um, kind of spill over into the winter to some extent. But I think it's a problem if you live way up north to try to get enough sun exposure. Of course, you can eat also um, fatty fish. And so I think a lot of people up north, especially the Eskimos, you know, they would eat um, seal blubber, which was probably loaded with, with uh, vitamin D and also cholesterol sulfate. So I think eating foods that naturally contain vitamin D is a way to offset the lack of sun uh, in the northern places but taking a vitamin d supplement is not and what about saying fortified food
0: okay oh fortified food so that's a whole other show
1: (laughs) yeah that's basically a supplement right that's not natural so i i think if you take foods that are naturally high in vitamin d and that's the fatty fish of course the people up north eat a lot of salmon there's issues with salmon these days unfortunately but like mercury and, and also the uh, toxic farms, farmed salmon are really bad. So oh,
0: never, never, well. never, never farmed fish, never farmed fish. Fish should <laughs> not be raised in farms. Um, and so could we also get benefit from eating? Uh, let's see, The ca- a couple of thoughts are uh, grass fed, grass finished. I'm getting mm-hmm. very specific about that these days because I see a lot of, oh, it's grass fed. Yeah, but is it grass finished? No, it's fed grains. What do you what? So it needs to be grass-fed, grass-finished, and or uh, eggs derived from actual chickens that are actually pasture-raised. They're not caged. They're just like exactly. out wandering around being chickens. Could we get vitamin D from those food sources as well?
1: You could, and, that, and I recommend that. That's definitely the case. So um, that's another source. And but it's hard to get these natural sources because people don't grow our food these ways anymore. All of those natural sources have issues today, actually, unfortunately. You know, I mean, there just aren't that many available, right? The, the chickens are not treated are, are terribly, and so are the cows and the CAFOs.
0: Yeah. Fortunately, I live in a part mm-hmm. of Northern California where I, I know people that do grass-fed, grass-finished. There are cows on Marin Coast as we speak, wandering around just eating grass, being cows. That's
1: how
0: they that's live. Awesome. We're cows. That really should be
1: doing so many more. You know, it frustrates me because we have all this grass. There's a lot of p- parts of the country where there's fast grasslands that are not uh, the soil. Is, you know, the, the situation is not adequate to grow crops. And the grass, we can't eat it. But if you put the cows out on the grass, you make a wonderful product that's very nutritious, and you turn the grass into edible food. You know, so I think that is a really good. Um, solution to the issue you know a lot of people say you have to go vegan because the meat's not you know meat is so costly in terms of the climate change and all these arguments but I don't think the arguments are valid if you eat grass-fed beef grown on in areas where the farming is not viable
0: yes and I also have the benefit and and there are others there it's hard to find unless you are sort of in an area I have a a farm group up here a cooperative that produces grass-fed butter Um, As a product Mm, That's nice Because it's the same They raise cattle For both purposes Both for dairy purposes And for meat purposes And it's all grass fed Partially because That's the way They've they've been doing this For 75 years It's not like Oh let's do this As Mm. a thing That's just how They've always done it Because they own the land I know The cows are out Wandering around Getting a high dose Of vitamin D I mean And then we get The benefit of all that It seems like And they're great To walk around Look at walking around I mean I think They're like Art on the hills.
1: <laughs> and, it is. It's so know. nice, isn't it? It's just like nothing bad about that. And then you look at those capo cows that are producing that toxic manure that's poisoning the waterways, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just like so stupid what we do. It doesn't make any sense. A lot and, of what we do with agriculture doesn't make any sense.
0: Which is a perfect cue for this. I thought I was going to save this for later, but I have to ask about. Uh, I can't say our old friend, our old enemy, glyphosate. How does glyphosate Mm. mix into the whole vitamin D, sunlight? Doesn't glyphosate, I think I've heard you say glyphosate is a train wreck for sulfate. You are right. Launch into that, (laughs) please. That is an exact quote.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm writing a book, by the way, about glyphosate, and I have a whole lot to say about glyphosate and sulfate in that book. Uh, Hopefully it will come out sometime in 2020. And um, it, again, the science is complicated. And a lot of it has to do with the theory that I have, which I'm almost certain is correct, except that there's, most people say it's not possible. So there's a very interesting controversy around that theory, which has to do with the way uh, a unique mechanism of toxicity that has to do with mucking up proteins. It gets into proteins by mistake in place of the coding amino acid glycine and messes up those proteins. And it's really, really fascinating science. But if this is true, it can explain a lot of what we see in terms of how uh, glyphosate affects diff- in different studies what they've found. I can explain their observations on the basis of the idea that glyphosate substitutes for glycine. And so that's a crucial problem for many proteins that are involved with sulfur metabolism. Uh, and it's been shown, for example, that glyphosate suppresses enzymes in E. coli that, that turn inorganic sulfur into organic sulfur. sulfur. So that's going to if you eat inorganic sulfur, and that's like, say, the sulfites in wine, for example, and uh, it, the, um, the gut microbes can turn it into sulfur-containing amino acids, which are super useful for your body and very important, very essential amino acids because we don't know how to, our cells don't know how to make them, but the b- bacteria can make those amino acids using the sulfur that is non-inorganic, such as sulfites and sulfates. And so those enzymes get messed up by glyphosate. That's been shown in the study. But worse than that, I suspect glyphosate disrupts sulfite oxidase, which converts sulfite to sulfate. And sulfite is extremely toxic. And sulfate is, of course, essential. And um, sulfite oxidase, first of all, depends on minerals that glyphosate could be chelating. But secondly, it has essential glycine residues. And if they get substituted, it'll make the enzyme Uh, It'll bust the enzyme. We have a lot of people who talk about sulfur sensitivity. They can't eat sulfur. They can't drink wine that has sulfites in it. And this is because their gut microbes are not working properly to detox the sulfite and to convert it to useful forms of sulfur. So that's part of it. Then the sulfur transfer, also the synthesis of the activated sulfite, sulfate gets messed up by glyphosate. If If it's substituting for glycine again, it's just these incredibly... Important glycine residues in various enzymes that are involved with sulfur, sulfate, sulfate synthesis, sulfate transfer, sulfate transport, and sulfate transfer from one molecule to another. It's all a lot of complicated biology that I've described in my book. Um, very, very interesting. But I basically believe that we have a systemic sulfate deficiency problem in our society. Almost everybody in America is probably sulfate deficient because of the, these effects that glyphosate has on sulfate. And glyphosate also is known to disrupt the cytochrome P450 enzymes in the liver. And those are crucial for activating vitamin D, both in the liver and the kidney. Um, vitamin D is activated using type enzymes. And glyphosate has been shown to dramatically reduce the activity of type enzymes in rat studies. And so that's, that's well known. And um, that's going to impact vitamin D. And I suspect that may be a reason why we have an epidemic in vitamin D deficiency is because glyphosate is messing up the liver.
0: Because our livers aren't already stressed out enough by our total toxic load. If we just set, if it's even possible to set glyphosate aside, our toxic load in, environmentally is, is pretty intense. The
1: site cy- cyp- enzymes also detoxify many other to- toxic chemicals, so all of those become more toxic as well because of glyphosate's disruption of the cyphe enzymes. And by the way, aluminum also disrupts Type enzymes and there's aluminum and sunscreen that's going to soak through the skin and disrupt the cytochrome people with the enzymes in the skin
0: how is that possible that's a whole other show of like how is it possible for us to be allowed to be smearing aluminum on our bodies I just think that's the weirdest I know. concept ever
1: I, think I mean so. and in fact Chris actually actually did an analysis and he said that if you followed the, you know the WHO's uh, recommendations to to renew your sunscreen every couple of hours if you spend a day on the beach you get an edo- enormous amount of exposure to aluminum over the course of that day.
0: Ick. <laughs> 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 All the time for years I was as I said I'd go out and bicycle mm. The 25-ish miles pretty casually, and then on weekends, 50 to 100. And all that time, I never used a sunscreen. Now, this was in the 80s. That's how old I am. Um, but I never used a sunscreen because I always thought they were creepy. And plus mm-hmm. they were just slimy and weird and just felt creepy. And so all I, would, all I did was I'd start out by, during the summer season, I lived in Northern California, so it was really hot in the summers, and I would just develop a suntan, Exactly. And that was it. I yes. just got tanned, and that's then I was fine. I could go first. out and right. I could go out and bicycle 100 miles in a day, and I wouldn't burn. I would just get browner. My hair would be more well brown. Yeah, gone. and
1: that's the thing. If you if you work your tan slowly in the spring, and the, summer, the sun's not so intense, by the time you get to summer, you're fine. And the the tan is what's protecting you. But if you use the sunscreen, then you're always white. And as soon as you forget the sunscreen, you're in huge trouble. If you're in the summer sun and you forgot the sunscreen, you're going to get burnt. But if you've developed a natural tan, you could afford to be out in the summer sun without a problem.
0: I never had an issue. It makes a lot more it, sense
1: to me. <laughs>
0: it makes a lot more sense to me to be, develop a tan than it is to smear some unknown, you know, unknown substance on your skin. Or I, I just think it's an odd idea. Always have.
1: It, um, it really surprises me that people um, endorse it so easily, you know, that they don't think about the fact that they're smearing toxic chemicals on the skin and they use sunscreen. It's strange to me.
0: Well, and that whole, people that whole to pathway. People need things that way. Right. The whole pathway of thinking about, and then, as I said at the opening, mm-hmm. and then you, you heat the skin up and so you diffrate the pores, and that stuff just assimilates into the body. Mm-hmm. It's like, What? I just, I see kids at the beach, you know, being smeared from head to toe with sunscreen by their parents. And the parents, and the the bad part is that the parents think they're doing the right thing. They're doing it because they've been educated by the, starting at the, I can't think of who that ad was. There was a young woman on a billboard with her swimsuit always being pulled down by a dog. That sort of, I Uh, think, is the beginning marketing
1: but I right, can't remember Copertone, who that was. That was, no, was it? Yeah, it was
0: Coppertone. Coppertone was the early yeah. sunscreen. Like, here, smooth this on your body, yeah. then you won't burn. It's like, what? Why?
1: I know. Um, people That's are, amazing.
0: They, it really is.
1: Anytime there's a product that can potentially make a lot of money, if you can persuade people it's going to help them, right? They just have to do enough messaging to get people worried about sun, and then they've got, they can just um, make a lot of money on <laughs> false advertising.
0: On false advertising. And do we? Yeah. Well, no, that's all different. I was going to ask you: Do, do we think they know that it's false advertising, or are they, you know, the science in their brains? Know, they somehow. I know. The big
1: question, isn't it? I wonder that about statin drugs too. Do these people really believe, you know, the doctors that those statin drugs are good for you? I mean, I just can't imagine. They could be well, we could have the whole. We could
0: have that whole conversation about statin drugs about. Uh, sunscreens and about, you know, any of the pesticides that are being sprayed chronically on our crops that are creating right. immune um, plants that have a suppressed immune system. And then in turn, doesn't the glyphosate, I hate to, mm-hmm. well, I don't hate to, the glyphosate also damages our own microbiomes if we get exposed to it or eat it on a regular basis, don't they? Don't they mess up our own microbiome? Absolutely.
1: That's, been oh, That's been shown. That's been shown. It preferentially kills the beneficial microbes. Like bifidobacteria and lactobacillus, and then it allows pathogens like clostridia and salmonella to to gain a foothold. So you end up with issues with um, inflammatory gut and you know, leaky gut. It causes all kinds of gut problems.
0: And leaky gut is fierce. I mean, it's a it's a yes. It seems to be a norm now, not a norm, I don't want to say it that way, but I mean, just the level of people talking about leaky gut and gut-based issues. I mean, everybody's talking about inflammation. Yes. As a, as a recognized, oh, there's inflammation, and the body's showing us something if it's inflamed, but it's, it goes back to leaky gut. Yes. But I don't see that many people connecting the glyphosate leaky gut pathway or whatever that would be called. It, they should it, do. it blows my mind.
1: Yeah, they should and, be. And in fact, the inflammation is there to induce sulfate synthesis because of the sulfate deficiency problem. That's at least what I believe. Yeah. It's, again, it's all driven by sulfate deficiency.
0: And can we bump up our available sulfur a bit by eating cruciferous vegetables on a regular basis and or one of your other favorite activities is taking an Epsom soak, salt soak?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm very fond of both of those. And we eat tons of cruciferous vegetables in my family. We have broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and all of those. Cabbage, we do those on a regular basis. That's pretty much almost, I'd say, the greens that we eat are the cruciferous vegetables. You know, we love them all, and I think they're very, very healthy. And, of course, organic, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm fond of all of those. I can think of as you speak of them. I'm thinking I could make this and I could make that. I mean, it's, it's a great foundation for all sorts of yes. things. And, yes, they're very, and,
1: very good for you. And of course, also onions and garlic, and those are delicious. Also, they're also a good thanks. source of
0: sulfur. That goes without saying.
1: What about things like
0: yams? Particularly because I happen to love yams, mm-hmm. but are yams mm-hmm. high in Aren't they high in vitamin A? I mean, oh no, they're high yes. in vitamin A. Sorry, not D.
1: Yeah, they're not. I don't know of them as a source of sulfur, but they do have uh, important nutrients. And yams are very healthy. Right. I think it's vitamin C, vitamin A, um, probably manganese. I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) Right. And other being a root vegetable, if they're organic, being a root vegetable, they have all sorts of wonderful minerals in them, and they're low low on the glycemic index, and they're delicious. Come on. Yes, They're I love jams
1: also. So <laughs> we had the same food taste, I think. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. Um, and I've heard you, there's another phrase that I've heard you talk about. You talk about a moonlighting enzyme. Mm-hmm. Is it Enos? Yes. Is that Enos? Is that right? That's right.
1: Very good. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. Endothelial nitric oxide synthase. Enos. A really, really interesting enzyme. Tons of papers have been written about Enos. And, um, I think they're missing a really important piece of the story, which is that enos is a moonlighting enzyme. And in fact, I think it switches between nitric oxide synthesis and sulfur dioxide synthesis. It switches between those two. And it depends on whether it's attached to the membrane or loose in the cytoplasm, which one it makes. And it's got this incredibly sophisticated signaling mechanism that controls what it does. It's so interesting. And it turns out that those two oxidize to nitrate and sulfate And nitrate and sulfate have opposite uh, effects on the blood. Nitrate makes the blood flow. It makes it thin and watery. And sulfate gels the blood. It makes it thick and viscous. And so the red blood cells are traveling in the blood at a certain uh, speed, and they convey an electromagnetic signal as a consequence of their traveling through the blood, and that signal dictates to the nearby tissues what to do. So the endothelial cells aligning the vessel wall respond to the flow of the blood uh, with respect to um, enos as to whether they should slow it down or speed it up, you know, they can titrate which way to go, enos molecules. And, and it causes a whole healing cascade that either takes them off the membrane or puts them back on the membrane and switches them over to sulfate versus nitrate. And the interesting thing is that the part that makes sulfate gets broken by glyphosate. This is my theory. Mm. And by aluminum, by the way. And so enos enos is a cytochrome P450 enzyme. It's it's an orphan site, they call it. It's it's very similar to the cytochrome enzymes in the liver in the same respect that it can be affected by aluminum or by glyphosate to not work properly. And there are many papers that talk about what they call enos uncoupling, where enos releases superoxide instead of nitric oxide. And when enos is releasing superoxide, it's trying to make sulfate, but it's failing because of... uh, Disruption of the enzyme by glyphosate and by aluminum, and so this is how you can get oxidative damage because knows is spilling out superoxide into the cell and causing damage to the tissues when it should be making sulfur dioxide, which would be fine. So it's complicated science again, but it's really fascinating and, uh, and con- disturbing because I and think disturbing. glyphosate is yeah. causing yeah
0: Oh boy, is glyphosate used in um, in the Hawaiian Islands? is it allowed
1: yes Yes, it is. although they've been making uh, they've been doing a good job in some regulation recently I I was actually there last summer when they uh, passed a law that banned glyphosate usage on all public school grounds so that was a really big breakthrough they can't use guy I mean you would think it would be a no-brainer not to use glyphosate in public schools but plenty of places around the country are doing that you know, putting glyphosate on the schoolyards. And so Hawaii is no is no longer doing that. They banned it in schoolyards. Right.
0: In the Bay, in the Bayer, well it was Monsanto now Bayer suit, uh I can't remember his first name, but the gentleman that had the
1: Durane, the Durane Johnson.
0: Right. Wasn't he a
1: the, yeah. school something or other? He was. He sprayed glyphosate on schoolyards. That was his job. It wow. and it was the only chemical he used. And he got non hodgkins lymphoma in his early 40s. He had right. young boys at home. It was very sad. Yikes.
0: Very I sad. I met him.
1: I met him in Hawaii. Because he, he actually oh. came to Hawaii to testify to try to get this law passed. And I think that made a big difference. It was very exciting. And, he, he, um, and in fact, there's a woman. I don't remember her name. But there's a woman who's a, a student at Berkeley in California. You may know about her. Um, she, was, she grew up in Hawaii. She went to Berkeley. And I think she plays volleyball and she was noticing they were spraying glyphosate around the volleyball court and she uh, took action. And so she got involved and tried to chase it down and talk to the people and finally got her, her friends to help pull the weeds and, and basically eventually got Berkeley to ban glyphosate usage in, at, on the Berkeley campus and then to for the entire California school system, uh, uh, public colleges in, in um, California to ban glyphosate usage. She was the one wow. who orchestrated all of that. Yeah, and then she was also the one who met Dwayne Johnson and got him to go to Hawaii, which caused Hawaii to ban glasses eight on the public school. So she's really—I wish I knew her name, but she's really cool um, from Hawaii. You should look, you should look her up.
0: <laughs> I'll have to look her up. I'll ask Zen. I bet Zen knows who that is. I'm speaking of Zen honey. Yeah, I
1: guess she does. Oh, I because we she both know her.
0: Know. Zen would know. Yes, she, she's good. I'm Another collector, of them, or maybe. But. I know I've heard it, but I can't. I I can't pull it up at this point. That would be a great story to have that kind of thing because I know I remember it was actually a number of years ago, at a conference uh, in California called Bioneers that I go to, that one of the people, city managers from San Francisco, was on a panel talking about how they were starting to ban the use of glyphosate in public parks. And that was before everybody mm-hmm. was really talking about it. San Francisco really took a lead on I'm not sure about schools. Yeah. That's they stopped good. using it in public parks. And that was an amazing yes. idea because people were seeing well, as it's still true, you know, animals were having elevated levels of cancer and issues.
1: Oh and I, I, know. I think pounding the, the table. The deer. You know, the chronic yeah. disease in the deer. I think it's dead by
0: things. Very
1: sad and, and back to definitely my is getting a black eye <laughs> i'm <quite laughs> so deserved. that uh, people are becoming aware um especially yeah. those california lawsuits those have been so fantastic and i'm so happy to see that happening and <laughs>
0: i know <gives> me hope. <laughs> such mm-hmm. an odd sense of mirth, like oh yay that's great they're getting sued that's uh, yeah <laughs> it's so true it is so very true i'm
1: I'm sure Bayer doesn't think so.
0: (laughs) I know. Well, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And back to the vitamin D, can we help, what can we do to help our body have a stronger immune system while we're dealing this toxic load? Is is it sort of, is it back to that foundational get sunshine, either walk on the beach Mm -hmm. or... throw yourself in a tanning bed once a week to get some sun or you know is it's really it sounds like it's kind of like basic foundational eat an organic diet get some sunlight every day mm -hmm. if you can if not maybe throw yourself in a tanning bed a couple times a week is it kind Mm -hmm. of back to basics
1: I think so I mean I think it's a fantastic thing to walk along the beach barefoot um, at the wave base you know you get your feet in the water you get really good grounding and um, the negative charge is really, really important, and that's one of the things that sulfate does for you. Sulfate carries the negative charge, and so the sulfate deficiency translates into deficiency in negative charge. And um, but walking on the beach is great because the, the earth is a giant negatively charged ball, and the electrons will just pour right up into your body um, from the grounding. And, you know, grounding is so interesting that um, as a as a therapy, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, also for you get uh, airborne negative ions from the crashing of the surf, don't you? Doesn't that actually throw the negative ions yeah, off the crashing that's, of the surf? That's,
1: I think you might be right. That's so cool. I hadn't thought of that, but that's awesome. I bet you're right. But that generates some electricity. Yeah, oh, and tosses great. it off. I like that. I,
0: I, I grew up in Especially a coastal so, part of California. It's so
1: fun to watch. <laughs> Well, the yeah, surf. Yeah, I was going to gonna say I,
0: I would drive when I was riding uh, bicycles, or even in my youth in high school, and I'd, I'd drive around the coast before I'd go to school every morning and watch the surf and drive by mm-hmm. in a convertible. And I, I didn't until mm-hmm. years later think, "Oh my God, I was getting negative ions every morning before I was to go into a fluorescently lit, badly lit, no bright light room because it was right. you know."
1: I, and actually, so. I've heard about. Uh, sitting next to a, a, a waterfall like just spending time next to a waterfall will make you healthy I think there was even a study that I found on that It's just really interesting the same idea right the waterfall is like the surf any kind of water that's sort of moving and yeah you know, stirred up um, yeah that's interesting
0: and, and it's funny how people I mean being in nature is always good but it is yes. kind of funny how there are those kinds of things. We're sitting next to a waterfall. Yes, it's calming and the sound is soothing. I'm certain Sherry would have things to say about the sound that that creates. But also you're getting the negative right. ions. And your nature. How can, you know, what's, yes. the wind. Um, so yeah. it's all, you know, nature is good. Nature is really trying I heard to help that. us.
1: Even if you just breathe the air in the forest that you're actually getting you can be getting beneficial microbes into your lungs that can help, you know, keep you healthy, just from breathing the air in a forest.
0: Right. Just this from the soil, actually, the,
1: the soil microbes and everything that are available there. Can, right. And
0: there's also you can get the, pick them up. You can pick them up, and there's also um, I'm trying to think of her name. Diana's Berford Kroger uh, was an MD, and then became a botanist, and she did research. Uh, she wrote a book called The Forest. And she did research Mm. uh, on parts of Japan where they have forests that are saved for people just to go out and be in the forest and inhale the Mm. various aromatase that are coming off of the trees. And actually, she's done actual research. She's done research looking at the immune benefit. It actually shows an increase in immune strength from regular exposure to these forest odors
1: coming from the trees. I I always. Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy being in the forest. I've always loved the forest. I love to walk in the forest, and I, uh, I did. You don't think of it as from a health standpoint. You just think of it as as a beautiful place to be, you know. But uh, that's really great if that's true. It's really great.
0: She's she's serious. I've seen her lecture, and she's gnarly because <laughs> she's a medical doctor mm-hmm. who got pissed off at that industry. Uh, and became a botanist so she is. has she has this like amazing medical comprehension and now she applies that to botany and the benefits we get and the, what we're doing to the forests and she has a whole amazing theory about how the forests are what produce the folic acid that then go into the oceans then that that is now mm-hmm. going backwards because we're destroying too many forests and we're losing our fulvic acid levels and that's a whole other thing but no it's i'll, I'll yeah, email you her information yeah Yeah, she's great.
1: The fulvic acid, I've been reading about fulvic acid and humic acid because those seem to be really, really vital um, nutrients to help detox glyphosate. I've been hearing about that from my various friends, particularly the alternative medicine folks. You know, they're finding uh, that organic matter from the soil is really useful for detoxing uh, various toxic chemicals, including glyphosate.
0: And have you... What other, what other tricks do you have up your sleeve, or what of your, what other, either rumors or you know possibilities in terms of, I hadn't heard that side of the fulvic humic acid. I have other thoughts that i benefits and reasons that i take it on a daily basis but i hadn't even thought about the glyphosate possibility it actually will help the body yeah. detoxify the glyphosate in our tissues. well
1: one thing i'm suspecting yeah i, I was and i read about it they actually had success in using it to treat they they treated cows that had been exposed to glyphosate um, in germany there's paper about this really interesting and they used folic acid humic acid And also sauerkraut juice, which is like what, (laughs) you know, sauerkraut juice. So maybe for the probiotics, but even possibly because the microbes in the sauerkraut maybe can break down glyphosate. So one thing I'm looking for is enzymes that can break down glyphosate uh, in the the microbes. And I'm suspecting that may be going on with the fulvic acid because I've been reading about it. And there are these really um, powerful enzymes that are bound to the fulvic acid uh, that are known to be able to... Uh, metabolize uh, certain compounds that make to make them very very uh, reactive, and then so reactive that they can those in turn can break down things like glyphosate. So, it's possible I think that there are enzymes bound to the fulvic acid that can break down glyphosate. I would love to know that. This is all sort of very recent research, and there's a lot of you know speculation. It's not it hasn't been proven yet, but I am guessing. Uh, that it's really crucial if you can get micro- microbes in your gut that are able to break down glyphosate, it can really help to keep you healthy, you know, to get them to wow. live in your gut as part of the of species there. I think that is a really great idea um, that needs to be explored, but I think that would be really the best way to, to help cope with glyphosate is to have m- microbes living in your gut that can break it down. I don't think that's completely unrealistic.
0: That's great. There's um, a a mineral, um, I don't know that it's a specific mineral, but there's a thing called shilajit. Oh, yes, I know about that. Okay. And I think that I put shilajit in the same family as fulvic and humic acid, that I think that there are also mineral benefits to those. It's very similar. It has more mystery around it, more, Uh which is okay. I'm not opposed (laughs) to that. It it, it could be a mystery as well. But it's an ancient yeah. mineral that's also collected. And I think any of the ancient minerals are going to be beneficial. Even the – I'm a, yeah. I'm a fan of the minerals from Salt Lake. Uh, I can't remember the uh, company's name right now, but they have liquid minerals that they're collecting from ancient mm. – you know, it's like the Himalayan salt minerals.
1: Right, I, I right, don't know that it yes. necessarily
0: has to be Himalayan. I just think that the ancient minerals have benefit be- partially because our foods are so stripped of their minerals because yeah. we do such industrial agriculture.
1: Right, all absolutely. Right. And, in fact, glyphosate messes up the uptake of multiple minerals into the plants, which makes all the foods deficient in minerals. And, of course, the minerals are being depleted depleted in the soil as well. Glyphosate is a tremendous Mineral binder, so it uh, removes minerals and disrupts the ability of the plant to take them up that's been shown in studies
0: wow i'm gonna, I'm making a note of that to ask you to email me <laughs> the information because i'm i'm a <laughs> big fan of minerals well as as an old school herbalist i'm i'm a fan i'm I'm an advocate for whole food anything meaning that if you take an I herb see. try and take try and get at least all of the herb. It's kind of like what's happening in the cannabis industry where I'm a fan mm-hmm. of if you're gonna use C B D or even a trace amount of THC to, so that you have a whole plant extract, I think that there are things in there that we don't know about yet. And I think that's true mm-hmm. of all the all the any plant source, any food source. I think there are things in there Absolutely. that we just haven't we haven't discovered yet because they haven't looked at like now look at all the excitement about folic and hemic acid. It's minerals yeah. are really
1: minerals make everything work. Without minerals
0: and without also, firing. you know, they always
1: try to find the the active ingredient, like resveratrol. You know, they sort of say this is good for you, then we'll find out what is the special thing in it that's good, and then make that and market that as a unique um, pure thing, which is always the wrong way to go. You know, to eat turmeric rather than to take curcumin. You know, it's just sort of everything should just be the entire plant, the the whole thing instead of any specific ingredient that might be what's been singled out as the one that is the nutritious you know, active ingredient. That whole concept of the active ingredient doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's the entire plant that has some kind of balance of all kinds of interesting things in there that all work together uh, to improve your health.
0: Well, and I'm not sure, I didn't mean the conversation to go this way, but I can't help it, that I think possibly some of that came from the pharmaceutical paradigm, not a word I like to use much, but yeah. I have to, because of back in the old days when there was the books called the pharmacopoeia, when, com- when, when all pharmacists were compounding pharmacists, they would take substances and they would smash them and do something to them mm-hmm. to process them to get the most, you know, like Valium came from Valerian originally, a root, a stinky mm. root that scares most people because it's stinky, really stinky. But it has a long mm. history. In Slavic countries, they used to make a thing called zabrovka. And zabrovka was basically at a vodka tincture of valerian root. And they just drink it every day as a tonic. And But mm. you're getting things out of the valerian root that you are not getting out of taking a valium or a refined substance. And that's the tricky thing is when you start getting into these refined substances. You're stripping away all those micronutrients that we don't know anything about. Because like you say, they think exactly. reserve reverse at all. I have such a hard time with that word. Uh, is <laughs> yeah. we all everything goes yeah. toward here's the thing we want to be taking. What about all the potential micronutrients in there? We eat whole foods right. for a reason. Yeah. Like you're, exactly. you're a big and advocate so for organic.
1: You, know, you, you really can't simplify things like that. And when you take something out of context, it may not be in the right form for you to be able to absorb it correctly. You know, it needs it needs the context to be properly utilized.
0: Right. Right, like the, I I, because I mentioned Zen earlier, it's in my mind. Uh, The Impossible Burger, what I personally will call evil. I will say that (laughs) I will say that myself. It's my opinion that it's evil. The amazing, you know, the idea of trying to produce. I've never met a vegetarian or a vegan who wanted to eat a fake burger that bled. There's that. No vegan I know or vegetarian I know is looking for anything that's going to bleed. So the idea that they went out of their way to create a fake burger, a synthetic burger that bleeds is like, what? That's weird anyway. But then it turns out, yeah. I think Zen really was the one that busted the door open on that, That it was a what I call a glyphosate delivery system. So right. it's just amazing.
1: <laughs> GMO, <laughs> rather Ready soy, you know, you're no surprise there, right? But yeah. also it's engineered. It's, it's ridiculous what they do because they extracted this uh, gene for – out of the soy that makes this uh, soy-based heme kind of protein. And then they put it into, e. Col- I think it's E. coli or maybe yeast. I always forget which one. I think it's yeast. Uh, mm-hmm. They insert the gene into the yeast genome and they put a um, a promoter next to it that causes the yeast to make tons of it. So the yeast is just a, a machine that's making tons of this protein, which they then extract and purify. and who, who knows what all else goes in there? I mean, it's just a nightmare to think of eating something like that with all those GMO modifications and, and, uh, and then this, this strange protein that you never would see at that level in nature, you know, it's completely not natural. It's amazing that anybody would want to eat that stuff. That's
0: a great bumper sticker. I would wear that uh, as a bumper sticker, the uh, completely not natural, impossible, burger. hashtag (laughs) completely like absolutely out of their way to make something completely not natural just a synthetic like here eat this hockey puck you'd be better off i don't know yeah. it's it's just mind blowing um it is i'm trying to say i had other questions here uh i so have other questions.
1: about uh, sunscreen.
0: Oh, okay go ahead oh please oh no no go ahead please talk about sunscreen cuz i think there's something.
1: i was just going to say i had a, I, I have um did a little homework so i i there's a a paper um on mortality in Sweden as a study from Sweden in which they found that they looked at people's um, history of uh, sun, whether they loved to get out in the sun and got a lot of sun or whether they were very conservative and you know, really avoided the sun and put them into different groups. And they found that the ones who avoided the sun had a twofold higher mortality rates than the ones who were most uh, sun loving. So that um, loving the sun promoted longevity.
0: Wow. And with
1: large study of Swedish women. That's
0: so That wow. was pretty cool. <laughs> and you don't think of the Swedes as exactly tan people. I come from that lineage. Yeah. So I yeah. think we mostly think of, you know, like Elkie Summer. I don't know why she comes to mind. I don't even know if she's, I think she was Swedish. But, you know, pale skinned people. So that's amazing yes. that they are. And of course they live up north
1: so they, they don't get a lot of sun there. So it's, you really have to be a sun lover. Uh, if you live in Sweden you need you really have to work hard at getting another sun exposure, <laughs> I would imagine if you live there.
0: That's amazing.
1: But that was interesting.
0: That's really interesting. And, and, I, see, I, and talked, I,
1: I told you all about the cholesterol. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> anytime you me. want to talk about <laughs> cholesterol.
0: No, anytime you want to talk about cholesterol, I'm happy to pause, please.
1: No, I already covered that about the cholesterol going up for the Indian um, people who got treated with the um, vitamin D compared to the ones that got treated with sunlight, cholesterol went down. So if you want to lower your cholesterol, get out in the sun, you know?
0: Wow. I can't wait for your book (laughs) because it's all just so – it's all just – I – somewhere somebody must be doing, I'm hoping somebody's doing research talking about, is this all just, are we in the state we're in because everything has been basically marketed to us like the benefit of copper tone? And again, that's just my opinion. I'm not picking on copper tone directly. Don't sue me for saying the word copper tone. I just mean sunscreens (laughs) in general. Is it a combination of that back sort of in the days of uh, Kellogg uh, when he, well, it wasn't actually he that, well, that's a, I interviewed somebody who did a biography on Kellogg, and he did invent mm. the cornflake, but it was actually his brother who ran the company, so that when we had mm. that revolution when it was suddenly the carbohydrate we went from hating fat and protein mm-hmm. to everything should everybody should be eating cereal every day like what is that? Refined right. cereal is a nutritive, really refined yeah. carbohydrates
1: really? That was interesting. How we went into this obsession against fat for so many years.
0: Yeah, and Atkins was always like the bad guy. Atkins was always like the bad guy. Poor Dr. Atkins, you know, he was like suddenly the world's worst person because he was advocating eating protein and fats. And fats have so much high-value nutrition to us. It never made sense to me that fat was the bad guy.
1: I never bought into it. I never. I, in fact, I always boycotted any uh, any food at the store if it advertised being low fat, even if, even if it was naturally low fat. I wouldn't buy it if it advertised that it was low fat. I hated low fat all my life.
0: As a kid, I thought blue milk was suspicious. I just never understood that blue <laughs> milk is the no yeah. fat milk, and I was like, why are you even drinking that? It's chalk water. How is that beneficial for you? You might as well just have a glass of water. Why does this have to run to a cow?
1: Why wouldn't you expect expect the cow to produce the milk the way it's intended, right? Why do you have to muck with changing it it if the way that the milk comes out is the right way for it to be, right? The natural way that it is.
0: An actual whole food. What a shocking idea. Yeah. It should have some fat content. It should have, it should have, I'm old enough, I had milk delivered on the porch as a kid. So there was milk cream always floating on the top that my parents would pour off carefully and then pour in their coffee. And it was like, that's just how milk is. It has fat on the top. It should. Look at cows. Do they look like they're doing it wrong? They've been doing it a really long time. <laughs> I had a, it's all, I so I, that's what I was kind of getting to was that it just seems like there's a lot of marketing here You know, trust us, we know what we're doing. And so much of it seems to be based on market hype, whether it's sunscreens Mm -hmm. or GMOs or Impossible Burgers or, you know, just pick any of the categories that somebody gets a hold of it as a marketing tool, like fluoride and toothpaste. They get a hold of it as a marketing tool, and then they beat you senseless with like, here's why we're rationalizing that you should be taking statins. Or you should be, right. you know, there's, there's money behind the marketing of that food or product or, or medicine, air quotes medicine, that we're supposed to take. Like every time I go to the doctor, a different a doctor, they're always like, you should, are you taking statins? No. And I'm not going right. to. <laughs> no, just stop asking. True. Put that in my file. No.
1: That's a no. Um,
0: okay. I think we're at that amazing moment where I ask you about how do people find out more about you, and when do we book a show for your book, and all those kinds of things.
1: Where can people follow your work and your information? Yeah, uh, if you Google my last name, Senef, you'll find a lot of stuff. You know, various podcasts and slideshow presentations. I have a uh, web page at MIT, which is a little bit complicated, but I'll, I will read it to you. Uh, Senef at no see, <laughs> sls.csale yeah. <laughs> I've even forgotten it myself now people dot edu slash that's my webpage at MIT and I've got a whole bunch of stuff uh, on that page of various, all the papers I've written on glyphosate and various slideshows and um, some of my podcasts and some of my um, presentations so there's a lot of material on my webpage at MIT um, so that's sort of a go-to place but you can find uh, a lot of Interviews and whatnot, if you just search my last name, S-E-N-E-F-S.
0: Yeah, you've been interviewed by everybody.
1: <laughs> I, I would just generally say,
0: pretty much, you've been interviewed yeah, by a, everybody.
1: The <laughs> podcast circuit. <laughs> so I'm exactly. I'm desperate to get my message out. And it's working, too. I really appreciate podcasts as a way to convey information. It's so easy, you know? It's great that you're willing to do this.
0: It's it's a great thing. I really, you know, it's a great thing to be talking about. Scary, Uh, you know, yeah, scary. I was gonna try and change that, but no, it's kind of scary. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about, but I think it's good for people to have that in their brain pan and start thinking about it. Like the simple thing, like
1: don't drink blue milk. If you're gonna drink milk, don't do that. (laughs) I know, just eating things that are natural. I think is so important. Natural (laughs) whole foods. That's a huge and organic, of course organic right. natural whole foods
0: that'll take you a long ways it's really for yeah. good health it's not complicated that is actually I think my, my sort of closing thought on on your work is what you're saying is not hard you know be in the sunlight yes. try and walk on a beach if you can eat an organic diet rinse yes. and repeat eat crassula. <laughs> exactly. get over yourself and eat those Brussels sprouts at Thanksgiving they're really good There are lots of ways to make Brussels sprouts that are delicious. All right. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I knew that was going to be great. It was really wonderful. You bet. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.